Today on Conversations with Kelly, we're exploring the changing landscape of hiring and remote work. For some of us, working remotely may have already been the norm before the pandemic. For others, you might still be forgetting to take yourself off of mute. No matter what your personal experience is, the shift towards remote positions is having a huge impact on what we've come to expect from our jobs and what employers have to do to remain attractive to new hires. This conversation was recorded at Comores headquarters in downtown Wilmington, Delaware. Welcome to Conversations with Kelly, where we sit down with business leaders from across the state to take a deep dive into topics that are really important to the business community. I'm Kelly Basil, Vice President at the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce, and today we're talking about remote work and the changing landscape of hiring. With me at the table, I have Susan Kelleher, who's Chief People Officer at Comores. Thank you for hosting us today in your office. Um, and I also have Megan Couch, who is the Chief Experience Officer at Integrity Staffing Solutions. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having us. I first just want to kind of start off and, and you introduce yourself a little bit, tell us what you do with your company mm -hmm. and then what your company does. Megan, would you like to go first? Sure. Uh, Megan Couch, I'm our Chief Experience Officer. We are Integrity Staffing Solutions. We are a staffing uh, organization that does temporary, temp to hire, direct placement jobs. Uh, we started in Delaware, that's where our corporate office is, and we have about 75 locations across the United States. So help get people into jobs and opportunities. Which is a, a big piece of, of the need today, it's yes. huge. <laughs> um, Susan, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Susan Kelleher. I am the Chief People Officer at the Comores Company. This is our headquarters, our global headquarters. Um, I've been with Comores for about five years, and in my role, I have responsibility for what you could think of as the traditional human resources functions, everything from um, staffing all the way through development, um, supporting people through their whole, through their entire employment life cycle. Mm -hmm. And then I also have responsibility for our environment, health, and safety programs. Okay. Very interesting. And you guys both bring two cool perspectives to this conversation, mm -hmm. one being a staffing agency and then Comores is a large company, so I'm sure you see a lot of applicants come through every day. Mm -hmm. um, and let's be honest, the landscape is completely different than it was two years ago. Um, I mean, it was changing before the pandemic, but I think it, the pandemic really um, shone a light on a lot of different trends and kind of sped them up, one being remote hiring. Um, I'm curious, what are you guys seeing um, in terms of remote hiring? So um, I guess I'll take this one sure. first. Uh, it's, it's mixed for us, mm -hmm. I will say, because we have a lot of organizations and companies that we work with that it's not remote. Right, so there's absolutely the component where there's not an option to even be remote. Right. So it all depended on type of job. Uh, but if you look at the increase of jobs where we place people into, I mean, I would say mid-pandemic, kind of people were a little bit slow to catch on, I would say. So like mid-pandemic towards the end, uh, that's when you started to actually see, I think, people accepting what the new normal might be. Mm -hmm. uh, and being able to actually access to talent that wasn't in their direct labor pool, mm -hmm. right? So we saw increases in jobs that we needed to fill uh, from a remote perspective, which opened up, you know, frankly, the United States, mm -hmm. not where just a brick and mortar office might be. Uh, and then applicants, and I'm sure we'll get into this, uh, I would say the, the bargaining power of applicants has definitely increased. Definitely. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't just about where is the job or can I work remotely, it was the whole package, mm -hmm. right? So like, so what comes along with it? What are the comp compensation and benefits? But also depending on, I would say, the, the age group, also you know, what is the culture mm -hmm. uh, and what are you doing to manage your remote workforce? Mm -hmm. So it's not an invisible workforce mm -hmm. that just isn't there. 
Well, and I'm, I'm curious, I have a, a follow-up question. Yes. Is this something that your clients are coming to you asking for advice on how should they be responding to these requests? Absolutely. Uh, so we had a lot of clients that, of course, and I think like a lot of companies, that didn't have any experience with remote work. So if you're talking about customer service positions or I would say higher level IT positions, it's, you know, normally it would be let's go through multiple interviews, sure. they all have to be in person, we're gonna to have to work with a team directly in an office. Uh, so I like to say that we kind of slowly educate and bring folks to what reality is happening, mm -hmm. where like you can access this great candidate pool in Austin, you know, even though you're headquartered in Virginia. Uh, and so it was more of an education process, mm -hmm. uh, but yes, we I would say around mid-pandemic time still it was very much them coming to us and saying, what are you seeing with your other clients? Mm -hmm. Which then we increased our placements a lot with remote workers. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing at Comores? Well, so at Comores, about two-thirds, in fact, over two-thirds of our workforce actually are what you think of as deskless employees, frontline workers, whether that's in plants, manufacturing plants around the world, labs. We have over 300 people at the Comores Discovery Hub at the University of Delaware campus. Those are individuals that have work that needs to be done in person, really what, very much what Megan was talking about. So we have, what we've tried to do there is create some space for flexibility and it's a journey we're still on. When I think about our desk workers, um, back in 2019, we actually got ahead of this. Our philosophy is that we trust our employees and we want them to trust us to do right by them, to be attentive to their needs, and to give them the opportunity to be their best self. Mm -hmm. So in 2019, about October of that year, we introduced something called Flex for Your Day. And we introduced these principles of, we're not gonna tell you where to work, when to work, or how to work. We're gonna ask that you get your work done in a way that's consistent with our values mm -hmm. around collective entrepreneurship, and also does what our customer needs. I would tell you that uptake was slow. And the and I'm if COVID brought us anything good, it really accelerated the idea sure. that people can be great kind of anywhere. And the more that you give them choice and autonomy, the the better the outcome. So I'd say there are two things about both the hiring side and the retention side. Mm -hmm. Because of our flex for your day approach, because we hear for our desk-based employees don't have requirements about days or hours come when it makes sense. Um, we've one found that we have really retained employees. In fact, our retention of women is at an all-time high. Women a trip from the Comores company at a slower rate than any other demographic in the company. Hmm. Um, and that wasn't true before COVID forced people to understand that Flex for Your Day works. Mm -hmm. And so that's one thing. On the attraction side, we think that this is a winning formula for us because it expands our opportunity in Megan's space to look at talent anywhere they are. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite examples of that, I'll give you two. One, the woman that does uh, tax work for us, in, uh, payroll tax, we identified her and hired her in Florida. She lives in Tampa. What's even better about that, we just recognized her for some of the great work she had done. And she said, I love working for Comores. I feel so much a part of this organization. Mm -hmm. So I think from an attraction standpoint, not only has the flexibility given us a lot of access to talent, mm -hmm. we've also been able to do that while maintaining a very inclusive culture that 
that then helps people to stay. That's sure. our, our retention numbers. Now you bring up a really interesting point, and I'm going to refer to my paper so I get the statistic correct. But the um, U.S. Chamber of Commerce has America Works reports, and they've been updating the information month by month. Um, and if every single person was working for the available jobs and, and filled those jobs, there would still be a five over a five million person shortage. Um, so having those creative and flexible solutions is huge right now to find the talent because we're all struggling to find it, but more importantly, keep it. So kudos for, to Comoris for coming up with a creative solution. We feel great about it. We, just imagine that you could, you, could, uh, you could find someone who is not, maybe not really looking in the workforce because they're in a remote location, don't feel that the opportunities are there for them. And then when we say, hey, you know, you can work for us anywhere um, and we have some limitations just because of, of state unemployment taxes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But overall, we feel we can be really expansive. And we've increasingly hired remotely. And we've also, for our existing employees, said, look, you know, be in the office when you need to. When you need to be away and you want to work away, we're going to do our best to support that. I'm curious. So you're a large company. Mm -hmm. How can a smaller business navigate this world. Um, I can tell you the chamber, we have nine people um, and we've been hiring in the last couple of years and we have had people approach us in the application process saying, is this job remote? Um, we can't support it fully. Um, so we've had to say, no, it needs to be at least hybrid, mm -hmm. um, which means they can't live in Florida. Mm -hmm. um, so how does a small business navigate this? Well, I mean, I think first I would say kudos to Comoros because they absolutely, the, the culture and environment mm -hmm. in what she's talking about is what employers need to look to to model. So if, if I look back and I say, let's take November, and there was four and a half million people quit, great resignation, like, okay, and I think that's when a lot of employers were like, okay, this is this has happened, like, this is very real. Mm -hmm. uh, and labor force participation rates are low. They're still low to where they were years prior or even months prior. Uh, and it's not a one-size-fits-all, right. you know, because you're always going to have components of what you're talking about. Like, it's going to be a requirement to be able to come into the position at some point. Um, then I would look at more creative recruiting on what other perks or job benefits mm -hmm. you might able to offer, mm -hmm. on the other hand. You know, and I don't mean to go back or start automatically with pay, but what is the compensation for the position? And are we making that enough for somebody to be able to do that? Um, and are you able to do it two days a week, three days a week? Uh, and then I would say on top of that, when I say perks, where it's like unlimited paid time off, like is that a component within your company? Like I think you need to kind of go line item by line item and see what the offerings are. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know a lot of companies are very, I don't want to use the word stuck, but maybe for lack of a better word, um, they are used to a very certain set package, and this is how an organization mm -hmm. runs. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like even if you can start to look at two or three aspects, and whether that is compensation benefits or, um, you know, remote work, I think folks are looking at it as a benefit right mm -hmm. now, uh, where it's it's not just going to be a benefit. It's just going to be this is the way that work is actually going to consistently happen in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so for smaller organizations, and it might be something to the effect of even job sharing, but then you have to work out a package for job sharing, like why it would be advantageous for all. You bring up another question I have um, about, you know, creative benefit offerings. Mm -hmm. What what are what's Comoros doing? What what are the trends that you're seeing? Um, because as you mentioned earlier, um, 
people applying for these positions have so much more negotiating power right now. Um, and so you can't just sell yourself on, on the paycheck. It's, it's about the package now. So what are those benefits that are really appealing to people? I, I would say from our experience, it depends on what the actual positions are for. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think some of it is very demographic based as mm -hmm. well. Uh, where I will say, um, I would say hiring managers, one, probably need to level set with being able to interview folks in different ranges, where it's like instead of having these, you know, 10 key things that they're looking for, it's not going to be the same thing because the drivers for people looking for a position are different. You know, so in an art organization, it's very much somebody might want a temporary position for a short period of time because mm -hmm. they might have left another position and they're not sure what they want to do. Uh, another person might be very into or group into what that culture looks like, how involved people are, the company is with their culture, how much they give back, what charitable organizations they're involved with, mm -hmm. how much volunteer time that they potentially get paid for. Um, I have a lot more culture questions, I would say, coming up about that. Uh, and the tenure doesn't seem to be as prevalent as I would say f even five years ago or four mm -hmm. years ago. Um, but there are certainly folks that are like, I think the question to be more specific is when you used to ask, like, where do you see yourself in five years? The five years is now an antiquated number. It's where do you see yourself in two years or three years? So I think to kind of answer, get back to the question as I digress, I think it depends on the position you're interviewing for. Mm -hmm. and. Um, what we have done have been different things kind of based off different clients and different needs. And mm -hmm. whether that is charity type of time, uh, or whether that's increasing comp on certain time periods, uh, or even being able to go down to a level of like transportation where it's like, okay, so if it's not direct comp, then we'll lead to a transportation offering, mm -hmm. um, which has worked well in a lot of our different places. So those are off the top of my head, like a couple of them. Susan, what are you seeing? Yeah, I, I, we actually avail ourselves of all these things. So when I hear Megan talk about them, um, we, we, every year, we just started last year and it's been so helpful to us, we actually do a listening tour with our employees. We do that over the summer and we talk to our employee resource groups, our Black Employee Network, Women's Network, VetNet, all of that. We talk to groups of employees that are on our front line. Um, we go to the labs and, and we say, hey, what, what matters to you? Here's what we do today in terms of the total reward of being a Comores employee, how we think about pay, how we think about benefits, how we think about career development. So we really give them a comprehensive view and we have an honest dialogue about it. That's resulted mm -hmm. in us, we've expanded our parental leave. So we have more parental leave now than we did five years ago when we were born. Mm -hmm. we, we have. For many years now, we celebrate Martin Luther King Day as a day of, day of service. And we actually um, encourage all of our sites around the world to take that day and employees give back. We have month of service during the United Way campaign. So we do a lot to encourage people and support them in being able to do the things that matter to them. Mm -hmm. That's very important to us as well. Um, we have a purchased vacation program. So one of the things you find as you start your career, your early career employee, we're fairly typical in this in that we have um, what amounts to about 20 days off plus holidays mm -hmm. for every employee. You can buy up to an additional week. And that's been a real benefit for employees that are looking for additional uh, flexibility. And of course, the fact that we can say to employees, we flex for our day. 
and we've taught our leaders how to think about that and, um, and, and how employees how to use it. We support them as well if they're working from home, working remotely. We have an, an ergonomics policy that we can online give them a whole ergo assessment. We can then, with a stipend, we have up to a $500 stipend, employees can buy the things that they need to set up a home office. Um, and we give them choices on things we recommend, but ultimately after the assessment, it's up to them. So we really try to support that. So I would say we really listen to the people that are with us now about what their needs are, and that informs the choice sets that we use. And then of course we market them to the outside. Um, our attempt is always to say, hey, what do we need to do to be attractive to the very best talent? And and how um, how can we be boundaryless in terms of the options that there that there may be? Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. I will say, and you brought up a very good point. So uh, employee feedback, because our employees, uh, and we have our internal staff, and then we have our temporary associates that are different clients, mm -hmm. or direct that gets placed at different clients. So uh, taking ENP or employee net promoter score is very important than taking that back to the clients to be able to be like, here's what's great about your work environment. Here's what might need some improvement. Uh, internal staff, we get a lot from our town hall meetings uh, that we kind of revved up more so during the pandemic, you know, just to make sure that people were staying in touch. And the resourcing, so we have a lot of conversations about resourcing, because I think everyone moves so quickly, mm -hmm. you know, because originally it was like, oh, we might be out for two weeks because of the pandemic. You know, I remember that, like, might we be, we yeah, we'll be back we in four, you know, so. <laughs> we did it was like, oh, think all right, you know. Yeah. yeah, and then we were like, should I take my desk phone? You know what I mean? Like, you're getting to the point where, uh, and it was like, oh, we need to make sure everybody has what they need mm -hmm. um, and so and put programs around it. Mm -hmm. But I would say getting the feedback, uh, because it's so varied, I think, depending on certain places. And um, what made me think of it is that we, a prime example, we were getting a lot of feedback, especially during the pandemic, from women who weren't able to, that were like, basically, I, there's no daycare. Yes. You, know, you know, there's 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 no daycare. I'm working from home, like understanding, because I think everybody got so obsessed with Zoom and everybody on, you know, which was an immediate result, which I think a lot of folks did. Um, but what programs could we put in place to kind of assist, or what could we do with our human resources department to say, all right, what parameters can we give? Because I think folks like structure, mm -hmm. like so at least they know. Uh, and at the time, you're still trying to figure out KPIs too. At the same time, so but it's like, what what structure can we give, but loose and flexible enough that it actually fits what's actually happening in reality, mm -hmm. so we don't lose someone that's very valuable to us. And that flexibility is really important. So I, we underscore that, and it's one of the reasons that informs this flex for your day. A lot of people ask me about, well, don't you need to be in the office to create culture? Don't you need to have people in? And and We've said, sure, we, in fact, we encourage managers to schedule things that you want to do to coll together collaboratively, <coughs> that that's really great. Just the idea isn't that you should bring people into the office so that you can see them, mm -hmm. right? We've proved, all of us, over two years, we're very productive working from home. Yes. And, and so seeing someone working does not, is not a substitute for them, act, you know, for knowing what gets done. So we've tried to do that. And rather than have days in, I, I think, which is the kind of the common hybrid world, and why we don't use the word hybrid, I really am against <laughs> this word, um, is that 
one what one person needs is completely different from someone mm -hmm. uh, someone else. So the the parent that started doing little league coaching on Wednesday afternoon because they could and they were working from home yes. during COVID, well if if I as a company mandate that employees are in the office on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I've now created a, a an incentive for that individual to look for something else. Mm -hmm. There are, everyone has a story. And our goal is to allow everyone to make the choices and have the autonomy to do that that's right for them. Mm -hmm. And for us to have programs in place that are supportive, things like Bright Horizons that support childcare. Mm -hmm. Those kinds of things that will allow then an individual to make the choice that's right for them and for people that are interested to choose Comorse mm -hmm. because we're a great place to work. Both of you were talking so much about culture, mm -hmm. um, and you know, with giving employees this flexibility, um, whether they're working from down the street or across the country, how do you build and maintain culture when you're spread out like that? It, it's not a one-size-fits-all, uh, and I think you can tell by my reaction. It was, it's a, a journey. <laughs> you well, know, it's, it's the marathon, not the sprint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, cause I think it, at first, you know, and of course, I don't think anybody, a lot of other people, have gone through like this pandemic. It was like, well, we should schedule these meetings every two weeks and make sure to do, you know, X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the town halls were very important to explain what other work groups were actually feeling mm -hmm. and going through. Um, I think it's important for managers of groups to be able to set their own time with their group and however they want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, to your point, some people, they're like, if, if they never step foot in an office again, totally fine, mm -hmm. great, wonderful, okay. Uh, others miss that in-office culture, right? So they're like, okay, then I know certain groups have at least once a month, mm -hmm. you know, outings and whether it's a lunch or whether it's coming into the office and they're doing something in person. Um, our culture is heavily built around our associates, so it's not just our internal staff, it's everybody that we place. Mm -hmm. So it's almost when we think about it, it's what are we doing for our staff and then also what are we doing for our associates at the same time. Um, so we started doing focus groups and kind of round robin meetings to make sure that they were okay and a lot of folks were still in person. Uh, or, or going to the you know an actual job site for a position, uh, and giving the same time and energy to those that are remote, to those that had staff in person, mm -hmm. and that's the balance, mm -hmm. I think. You know, and culture-wise, it was also bringing like I think I mentioned earlier, kind of like management and clients along with you to say like this is this is happening, you know what I mean? It can be good and it can increase retention, it can reduce your attrition, you know, it can make people actually happy within their position mm -hmm. um, and think of it as a career versus a job. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think out of anything, nobody, like our, at least our organization, no one's very quiet about their feedback. Uh, you know, and of course there's always one-offs, you know what I mean, where I'm like, I don't know if we're going to do a golf outing, you know, every other week or if we're going to do this. Uh, but every suggestion is heard, right. I will say that. But I think the key on that, um, which sounds very basic, but I don't think it's often executed, is following up on every piece of feedback mm -hmm. and then providing the update of why we may or may not be implementing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a good point. Yeah, we, we've talked a lot about culture. and. I'd like to tease some of our executives who expressed a lot of fear that if we don't have standards around coming back to the office, if we're not back in the office on some level, we will lose our culture. And I, 
I look at the fact that over two years, I would tell you that Comoros culture became even stronger because there was, we're a global company. All of a sudden, employees that are in Astarius in Spain or in Shanghai in China or in Mexico City, actually we were all on a level playing field for once. Mm. Right? We were all on a screen together. And so I like to flip the script on that and say, actually, we, we've had an opportunity to think about our culture differently, that our culture isn't defined by whether or not we're face-to-face. -face. It is how we live our values with each other, how we treat each other, mm -hmm. um, how we care for each other. And, and that was such an important part of going through the pandemic together. So that has been something that we really hang on. Mm -hmm. And then we've done things to supplement that so that people feel, we make sure that they keep feeling our culture. A great example is we have a, an Orange Award program. It is an online, started as social recognition, allows people to jump on and boost, high five, and tag on to recognition. Anyone can give, anyone can get. Um, that is a global program. It's really brought us together. We amplified that with a point system. So then you, you can have points awarded. Everyone has points to award. They can give them to peers, to their boss, and, and then they can buy things with their points. That's really attractive. And we have a cash program. All of that we, we doubled down on as we were away from each other, and that helped to amplify who we are and how we feel about each other. That program is all built around our corporate values. And then for our, our, I'll say our headquarters desk employees, as there was a lot of worry about coming back to the office. You know, Megan said, there are some people that just never want to come back. And I, absolutely. And I was- My husband. Right. And we're okay with that. So we have uh, about 550 employees that are so assigned to this corporate, global corporate, corporate headquarters. And of that, I'd say there's about 10% that said, I never need to come back. Mm -hmm. I never want to pay for parking again, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And, uh, or whatever those reasons were. But most employees did really want to have an opportunity to connect. So we've been very clear and we've spent a lot of time training managers on how, how to create an engaging environment talking about how they run their meetings, encouraging them to be provide people with notice and structure. So awesome. You absolutely bring your employees in once a month. Let them let them know mm -hmm. so they can be planful because you've got to be responsive to everyone has built their life around working remotely over these last two years. So you as a leader need to be responsible for being very planful and thoughtful about when you bring people in and what you're gonna do. And the last thing that we've done here, it's an experiment. But I'm pretty, I've been so far so good, we're pretty excited about it. We uh, hired a contract employee experience coordinator. And Amanda works with us, she works about 10 to 15 hours a week. Her job is to program the office. Because if you're here, so if you come in for a meeting that's a half a day, you know, let's make it worth your while. Mm -hmm. Let's not just like you came in for a nine o'clock meeting, you were here till noon and you bolted. So she's worked with local businesses downtown. She knows everything that's happening in Wilmington. And she works with our culture and talent team on 
learning and development programs that we can bring in. We've had the Wilmington Police Department come in and talk about safety in downtown Wilmington. So we have, um, she publishes and we have on all of our digital boards a two-week calendar and we do things around themes. Our employee resource groups jump on the bandwagon and they are hosting events. So all of those things are really intended to ensure that we we express our culture in everything we do and our, that our culture isn't defined by whether we are in an office building together. It's mm -hmm. a really important point because I think as speaking from a lot of our small business members, they really struggle with that and trying to figure out how they can keep their their culture in place and continue work productivity. And you both mentioned it earlier, but so many people have learned that they're just as productive at home. Um, but but the trust piece of that is so huge from from management um, and making sure that you know we're all getting our to do list done. Right. Yeah, and I think that goes with KPIs that might change, but you have to set up at least initial KPIs for folks that are home. Define KPIs and, and explain them. Uh, key performance indicators. Thank you. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yep, you're right. I'm um, not an HR professional. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, key performance indicator. And so what just expectations for folks in each of their positions. Mm -hmm. uh, and that doesn't mean managing the clock. I mean, I mean, I think the latest research shows that somebody is more productive, actually, when they potentially work from home, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just timing wise. Uh, but if you're setting up, I would say a team and you have a new person come on board, I'll just, I'll give you a direct example, a new person come on board. And it's very much like you're saying, it's a flexible schedule. Like you can, as long as you get your, this is the key, as long as you get your work done, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? You're fine. And then they can say, well, okay, here, what are the specifics of my work? Mm -hmm. So I'm getting held to, and I don't mean a time, I don't mean a KPI as an eight or 10 hour day. I mean a KPI as if you were in accounts receivable, did you close mm -hmm. X percentage as you normally would? Okay. Um, or if you are at a call center and there's absolutely KPIs by hour, like were those completed while you were at home because you're set up at home versus you know here? Mm -hmm. um, it is very much the structure, I think, of setting them up. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that is an evolution as well because mm -hmm. uh, folks are, it can't be just time which is a lesson I think a lot of folks have, have learned. Yeah. Uh, but still, that's one of those where it's like you can't, I, I think folks take it thinking. where it's like, oh, like here, let me dissect this by hour for you so mm -hmm. you'll be able to do this. That's that's just not the way that it works. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody's going to finish these, you know, tasks, but you know, whatever they need to do, um, they'll probably go throw a load of laundry in, then they'll probably walk a dog, then they'll come back. So it's not necessarily time on task, unless it's a specific job where you're measured with time on mm -hmm. task. Uh, but you have to get creative with those. Mm -hmm. But it was no easier, I think, right, you would have experienced this with, with companies and within your own com company, is that when people sat in the office, you faced those same challenges. The question percent. was still there, yes. right? And so that's, that's a, that is the rethinking that we need companies and leaders to do. And that, mm -hmm. look, we're, we're still evolving, but is to remember that you were never managing someone by the fact that they were in the office that building. You were looking at them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking at them was not <laughs> it was a, was, was not allowing you to de to to know that they were more or less productive. And yeah. so the all of the things that you just described, right, are output. So you're really looking for the output. And that's it's it's just it is just being willing to acknowledge that 
whether you are looking at a person sitting in a chair every day or whether you are connecting with them via Teams or Zoom, you know what gets accomplished because if, if there's a job, presumably there's a work product expected with it. Mm -hmm. What is that? And so, so being clear up front with mm -hmm. how you measure success and what those expectations are with employees is really at the end of the day what we're all looking yes. for. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I do want to mention, um, don't forget the personal phone call or it can be a video mm -hmm. call. And I'd say that with culture too because I think we've come into a time where it's like, okay, we're all going to set meetings like back to back to back, you know, sometimes meetings where you might lose touch with some of the other team members or mm -hmm. what they're doing. Um, I would say do not forget the personal touch. And mm -hmm. especially, and we had to look at onboarding and onboarding of new employees sure. and what, what do you do there? Like that's one where, you know, in, unless the person is, you know, completely against it, it's you come back to not necessarily the office, but some type of event and you make sure that they feel welcome to show what kind of culture that you have. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you send the package before and you make sure that they know what you're thinking of. Uh, but I think folks started to think, I mean, you can tell me if you experienced this, it was we're either on a Zoom call yeah. and that's it. Like that's we're just we're, everybody's zooming. We're just yeah. gonna zoom. Uh, where if you pick up the phone and actually call someone and have a personal conversation, <laughs> and I don't mean to date myself because you know I and I have a 16 year old son. If I called him right now, he'd never pick never up pick the phone. Up. If I if I if I Snapchatted him, I get him like the you know the in, 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 and I get that. I, I understand that. Yeah. Uh, but with folks that you work with, I'm like you know. And I remember he was my boss at one point. Was like, well, did you just try and call him? And I was like, why is this a revelation? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I haven't. Technology in yes. the workplace and yes. and all the different generations that are now in the workplace. And oh, that's yeah. a whole yes. other challenge. That's a whole other. I think that's, yes. a, that's our yeah. other podcast episode. Yeah. 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 It's such a great one. I love this point about the, the value of, of, of voice. Mm -hmm. So we worry a lot about are we seeing people face to face, but just the voice to voice contact is really helpful. Part of that has we've really encouraged and I try to role model it myself is um, I, I do a lot of walking meetings. I do them virtually and I do them in person. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I it's important to get up and walk, let's all be clear. If you've been working in your home, you probably, you, you possibly could have gotten less than a thousand steps in in a day. True. Just depends on how big your place is and how far it is to the refrigerator. Right? <laughs> and so, and, and so getting up and getting moving, we talk about this a lot in Comores, and, and in fact, part of our whole flex for your day and employee experience is about taking care of your total well-being, which includes some physical activity. So we, I've been role modeling walking meetings and in fact I block time on my calendar where all I do is I call random people so I'll be on my headset walking through the park and I'm gonna check in that. on someone yeah pick up that tip. Yep. <laughs> yeah I'm gonna pick I'm gonna check in on someone in you know on a colleague who's in in France or I'm gonna check in on a colleague who's in Parkersburg West Virginia or just one of the team that's located here I also have on my calendar, and every one of our leaders is developing their own thing, signature, what works for them. I, I do love to walk, and I'm very proud of Wilmington, so I like to people <laughs> take people about. And so employees schedule walking meetings with me, and they come in sometimes just for the walking meeting, and they can pick. They can do 30, they can do an hour, you know, and we map it. We publish it for everyone else. We take pictures. We send it to all employees and talk about what we did and what we talked about and what we learned. That 
that connection. Mm -hmm. So the person that may have done it, you know, got the connection one-on-one, but we amplify that connection because you do have to, I mean, relationships are part of the human condition. It's part of actually what helps with our mental well-being. Right. So you got to really invest in that. So you're, you're, not totally, you're, you're not totally connected by Zoom alone. Mm -hmm. I, I will say I have one add-on, and I might take it too. I, I, I like it with the walking. And, <laughs> but I think we had to figure maybe out. Maybe not like, this month. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> this, maybe in September. Um, <laughs> but it's how do you incorporate fun? Because a big part of our culture is fun, but how do you do it over Zoom? Yeah. Or how do you do it like that? So we would do experiences over Zoom. Like a team can plan. Um, and there's multiple platforms that do it. Airbnbs off the top of my head, but you know you can go tour France as an example, I and mean, you can get a walking guided yeah, tour of France with a awesome. tour guide. Uh, you can do meditation. You could do yoga. There's I think we've probably done 15 or 20 of these. Uh, and as weird as it sounds, where people are like, "What is this invite for? Like, why are we doing this?" Uh, it actually, by the end of it, has very positive feedback. Yeah. You know, where I, even if it's just to say whoever you might live yeah. with at the end of the day, they're like, "What'd you do today?" And they're like, "I." meditated with a monk today. Like, all right, weird, <laughs> but I like it, you know, so. Those creative solutions are everything. This is more of a personal story, um, but at the beginning of the pandemic, I had, you know, friends that live all over, most of them in New York, um, but because you're stuck at home, we were looking for things to do, ways to stay connected, and so once a month, or I guess it was every other week at that point, um, we do a PowerPoint club. It sounds very nerdy, um, but we would come up with a random theme for example oh where the places all the places you'll go mm -hmm. and however you interpret that make a powerpoint and we would each take turns just giving our powerpoints and the way people would think about that prompt and interpret it was so fun um, but it kept us connected. It's the connection. Yes. Yes. Right. And it's great that, it's, that I love the self-determination in that. Like, hey, let's let's think about what we might try out. Compl it does. It feels random and maybe nerdy to some people, but you just put it out there. We definitely, that's another th uh, element of this that I think is important is individual determination and choice and letting people kind of bring their own ideas into the mix. We've had meditation on a weekly basis uh, for, for a, a, quite some time there's been in place and it's actually employee led hmm. because an employee said, hey, I'm, I'm a certified meditation coach. I'd love to do this. Mm -hmm. And we've had other groups that have said, hey, you know, we, we're scattered all over the, the, the world. The way we're gonna get together is we're each gonna cook at home and we're gonna share how we're mm -hmm. cooking. We're gonna share the recipe, we're gonna talk about it. All those kinds of things are just part of the great human connection that you can build. And mm -hmm. I, so I like this PowerPoint and I'm gonna share it with Amanda because I think it's a really good one. <laughs> I'll, I'll share you my interpretation of oh, the places you'll go. It was a whole wine tour. And it was great. I educated everyone on the topic of wine. Fantastic. So. Great. I go to a lot of those places. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Fantastic. What other creative things are you hearing from maybe some of your clients? Uh, and I'd like to say, like, we, I think we give a lot of creative ideas. Uh, we have a, a lot of clients that actually do similar to what you're talking about, but where it's the scheduling in advance is kind of mm -hmm. key, but it's, it's committees and it's different committees mm -hmm. for different, I'd say, areas. So fun committees, or especially if it's summertime, I mean, I can give an exact example right now. Uh, so usually there's a lot of food related to it, and mm -hmm. that might be three times a week, you mm -hmm. know, but it's, it's 
and we try to stress community-based where it's okay like like go to community like local vendors mm -hmm. and they will come in uh, they've brought in family days or done family days mm -hmm. and had folks come to the different places where they work uh, if, if it's not an exact physical location or rent somewhere else and they're able to at least do something like think of all think of maybe Sesame Place isn't the best example right now so I'm gonna say Dutch Wonderlandish. Folks might not understand, but uh, like some kind of park or area where there can be an, an event. Uh, and then uh, raffles and prizes mm -hmm. are a good go-to, I mm -hmm. think, a lot of the time. Uh, where, But all, again, planned in advance. And then actually get feedback from the employees about what they want to do. Mm. The most um, mm -hmm. prevalent feedback we get from our employees is thank you. You know, and not current, I would say, but thank you, but did you ask anybody what we wanted to do, mm -hmm. right? You know, and it was like, yeah, we probably should do. So we learned that lesson a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it is, I would say generally, uh, folks wanting to show family members or friends kind of what they do. Mm -hmm. So that might be an event around that. Um, but then what perks can we provide? So if they are flexible workforce, it's making sure that if we're doing those lunches, then you're able to facilitate sending those lunches mm -hmm. to the entire workforce, not just mm -hmm. ones that work on site. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we also do have an internal system. It sounds similar kind of to what you have where it's recognition based mm -hmm. uh, and you know, it promotes our values. We have eight core values that we, you know, one off the top of my head, advocate for our associates. Uh, and that's really going the extra mile. So there's, there's trips and there's prizes and there's, um, even down to, this wasn't our idea, it was an associate idea. Um, can we get paid volunteer hours? Mm -hmm. And then can we promote it by almost a contest to see and then somebody you know, wins a trip at the end? Very cool. um, yes. Yes, like yeah. we, we can do that. You know, yeah. where it's like, a lot of the things I think we find, you look at and you're like, it, it seems almost basic where you thought like, why didn't, I think that before, like yeah. that probably would have, instead of overthinking it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'd say the other part is where committees are set up to promote the interest at specific organizations. Uh, and whether it's a virtual book club, kind of like what you were talking about, uh, a virtual party planning committee. Mm. Uh, but there's, I know a company that has five or six, you know, they meet on a regular basis. They come out and they've actually impacted policy, mm. you know, because I think the feedback that they get, you know, very much, and that was related to PTO actually, well, or paid time both off. both mentioning things that are employee-led, and I think that's really important mm. too, um, because that makes them feel more bought into it and a mm -hmm. lot more ownership and, and really drives the programs further um, and they last longer. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely, and, and, our, and people know what they want. So mm -hmm. yes. creating space for individuals to come up with their own ideas and then encouragement for them to put them into action, mm -hmm. I, I think that that just creates a, it starts to build momentum that others want to do it. One of, very recent example, and I was so tickled about this, we have quite a new employee and, um, and she, um, for her role, chose to move to the area. So she's new to area, new to us. Mm -hmm. And a few weeks ago, she put out a note to just the people she's met so far. She included me on it saying, I want to host a potluck breakfast. I'm going to do it on Wednesday, this day. This is what I'm going to bring everybody who's interested. So, and she said, and please forward. So we amplified that. And we probably had 50 or 60 people. We had more food than we knew what to do with, but it was just a great example. 
the company could pay to bring in breakfast every Wednesday. Um, we've, we tried that a little bit, but it's a little bit spotty. It doesn't create the sense of community. Mm -hmm. What it really took was one person saying, I'd like to meet more Comorians, mm -hmm. and here's how I'm gonna do it. And for the company to support that and amplify that for her, then allowed her to create a much broader network than she could have done over weeks, months, maybe even a year. She knows a lot more people than she did before and a lot more people know her. Mm -hmm. And those kind of self-determination is something that we really strive for. We, we want our all of our employees to feel that they have a great deal of autonomy and ownership over what happens at Comores. What? So I'm gonna change the, the tone a little bit. What, what do you think is the greatest challenge when it comes to hiring and retention right now? Mm. Well, mm -hmm. I, my very basic answer first is probably the, the labor market itself, mm -hmm. uh, the labor pool. I think there's, and not even with the pandemic and the great resignation, I think it was kind of one thing on top of yeah. the other. Uh, because, I mean, the real drivers behind a lower workforce and participation rate is really kind of birth rates and mm -hmm. uh, immigration policy, and there's all these macro issues. Um, I think that are impacting in tandem with mm -hmm. um, you see folks not doing what they want to do before or what they had prior maybe accepted before. Uh, so it's not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And I think folks, uh, the tenure generalized statement doesn't seem to be as prevalent or within a top two or three mm -hmm. priority as much anymore. And it used to be very like, oh, well, so this would be your next step and this would be your next step. Uh, there aren't as, aren't as much focus on that. Mm -hmm. uh, and a benefit for us, I think, in some areas is that more folks have moved to rural areas. We have a lot of clients in rural areas mm. and that, you know, folks moving out of cities, so into different suburbs uh, and areas. Um, so that was semi, I think, a little bit helpful. Um, but challenge-wise, it's the type of work. And mm -hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't talk about gig work mm. and the gig economy. Um, as part of that and becoming an increasingly high part of that uh, where it's not just one specific job, it could be one, two, three, four specific jobs mm -hmm. uh, and how employers are incorporating the type of work. Because uh, if you only have one type of work, and there's many employers that still do, uh, and one type of work defined as you could have a flexible model, mm -hmm. but you don't look at part-time mm -hmm. and you don't look at flexi work as far as it could mm -hmm. be difference in hours on different days or pickup work um, and think uber think lyft you know think mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of folks there are a lot of folks excuse me that that is what they are looking for and not just as a supplement mm -hmm. but as a main form of income because it's the it's the sum of the total mm -hmm. uh, so i think trying to find folks that fit into all of our different types of jobs it's really a question of us figuring out um, and it's not going to be a stagnant equation, but just like what type of work and you have to have it available. Mm -hmm. You know, so if, if you're going to just get stuck in a one specific kind, I don't think that that's going to work future forward. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly all the macro trends that mm -hmm. Megan's talking about are very real. Yes. Right? There, there aren't enough people applying for many jobs. In, in our world, we have a number of jobs that are highly technical, mm -hmm. like toxicology. There are only so many toxicologists that are coming out of universities in any, any given year. And so some of it is the work that we do as a company mm -hmm. to help to stimulate 
um, more interest and more study in areas that map to the work we do. So we have that at a few levels. We have ChemFest, which is our school partnerships. We have two schools here in Delaware, um, Servio and Academy and Eastside Charter with whom we work um, to inspire STEM mm -hmm. so that students will go on to study STEM either at a community college or a full university level. We actually, and we replicate that around the world. And, and then we also have, um, we launched with the American Chemistry Council, the Future of STEM Scholars Initiative, mm -hmm. which is specifically for students who wish to study STEM at historically black colleges and universities. So some of it is amping up the pool. You're literally building the talent pipeline. We are, <laughs> because we, we have to. The other thing I'd say too is making sure that um, we can reach people. All of the things that Megan said about people looking for part-time gig work, different ways of working, mm -hmm. people who maybe left the workforce. I mean, we've all heard about how women left the workforce very mm -hmm. purposely and haven't come back. Mm -hmm. How do we reach them and let them know that we're interested? So I think finding them is, is another thing. And then the last thing I'll say, and it's something that, that we work on with our hiring managers, is the openness to people who um, maybe have 70% of every single qualification and maybe you're missing 30 and how do we develop mm -hmm. them? So look, just to make this super personal, so I have a daughter who recently graduated from university and she struggled with her first job because everybody wanted someone who had three to five years experience. Mm -hmm. yes. And what she really needed was to someone to say, well, right, you bring a bundle of experiences, let me take those and fill those in. We've done that ourselves. We, we in fact, we had a position uh, um, during the pandemic actually where we we were filling, backfilling for someone who had 26 years experience. The initial idea was, oh, well I need someone that at least has five. And our provocation was really? What, what's it really gonna take? And in fact, so what we ended up doing is we hired a recent UD, University of Delaware graduate and she has been extraordinary. And she didn't have any skills actually in <laughs> yes. the specific area. Yes. So with some of it is, they're, so they're really on three levels. Build the pool, which is the work that, that we're really proud to do. The other is finding those people who maybe have gone out of the workforce and creating an opportunity to, to encourage them back in. Mm -hmm. And then the other is opening our aperture a bit in terms of taking people on that we can grow and develop ourselves, whether that's someone coming straight out of university um, who maybe doesn't have all the experiences that we might like, or someone graduating straight out of high school, and how can we support them in getting some of the training that they need then to be able to work for us as a lab technician, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So the, that's kind of the full suite of things that um, I think will really define whether or not we're able to fill the gap of five million you know, a gap in five million people that we need to fill. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, we are out of time today. I do want to give you both the chance, though, to give me your conclusion statements on the topic of hiring, remote work, yeah. attraction, retention. Conclusion-wise, I would say <laughs> this is going to be an evolution. Uh, we're not done yet, uh, and I want to say what you were talking about as far, and you'll hear the word upskill. Mm. I think that's going to be mm -hmm. very key mm -hmm. because it's going to be about the folks um, that you have, remote or not. 
uh, that you're going to be able to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. I think it's about employers examining their hiring criteria yeah. and what they can actually look for and the type of work that they're mm -hmm. offering. Mm -hmm. uh, and remote work is it's not going away, nor I think do, do we want it to go away. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's something that um, as we get through 2023 and 2024, more companies are going to figure out how that flexible work is going mm -hmm. to work. Oh, for sure. We definitely are still learning mm -hmm. um, and and still evolving our thinking. What I think is a very big deal is for leaders to understand that the world is fundamentally changed and have an openness to thinking differently about work, thinking differently about talent, and mm -hmm. just being much more open-minded and inclusive in that thinking. It's the thing that we really are trying to role model at Comores. Um, Sometimes our old instincts want to get the best of us, but it, it is about saying, hey, we can be the company that is willing to take on a next generation of talent that maybe hasn't had all the experiences, but, but we have decades of experience with this company that can help to bring these people along, mm -hmm. and that, that's an important role to play. Um, so, and we're, I'm excited about that. Honestly, I'm thrilled and with what we have we in front of us. talk about, which I probably should have, is the speed to actual hire. Oh, um, yeah. And that has changed, I think, dramatically. Oh, yeah where you know you used to go through panel interviews and it would be oh, yeah. five weeks, six weeks, what have you. Sure. Uh, that has definitively changed mm -hmm. and I don't think that that's gonna change back because of the number of openings um, and especially with flexible and, and remote work. Uh, so if you have a great candidate, hire the great candidate. And do it right now. Yes. This is actually that's great. Yeah. So <laughs> Megan's <laughs> plug is so right. Because yeah. we're, we're largely a group of scientists. So our scientists, they want the perfect answer. So they, they love really extensive mm -hmm. hiring processes because they want to be right. Your point is so perfect. When, when you've identified a candidate that meets your criteria, you've had a good interview, you feel like they're a great fit for your company, have the offer ready yes. before they leave. Mm -hmm. yes. That's really, and that is a, that is absolutely something that we preach to all of our hiring managers. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to have it from an expert. I'm yeah. glad to have an expert <laughs> say that. A thousand percent. Yes. yes. Yeah. We've gotten to a place even, um, I would say with our applicants that they're able to do it. Um, they can do an interview anywhere. We can do a video interview. We can mm -hmm. do it yeah. different ways. It's, it's just, it's open field. Uh, the holdup has been, mm -hmm. I would say, it's just folks that are like, no, we're going to go through week two, week three, week four, mm -hmm. and you're like, they're gone. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're gone if by the end right, of they're right, they're right, and yeah. hire them. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yes, Have yes, the yes. offer ready. Well, this has been a really awesome conversation today. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, if people wanted to get in contact with you afterwards, Megan, how can they reach you? Sure. Uh, so I'm on our integrity staffing uh, website, or you can email me directly, uh, Megan, M-E-G-A-N, at integritystaffing.com. Great. And Susan? Yeah. So you can reach me at the Camorras Company. We are in Delaware, right on Market Street um, at Rodney Square. I'm here most days. I walk all the time. You can find me almost anywhere. <laughs> look for me walking through the park with an employee, having a conversation. Um, and, and if you prefer an electronic version, you can reach me at susan.kelleher at comores.com. Great, thank you. Mm -hmm. And if you have suggestions for future conversations, you can reach me at kbasil at dscc.com. You can find the chamber on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and our website, dscc.com. And thanks again for joining me. Thank you. Thanks.
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Conversations with Kelly, a show by the Delaware State Chamber of Commerce. If you have responses, questions, ideas for future topics, or just want to get in touch, you can reach out to me at kbasil at dscc.com. That's K-B-A-S-I-L-E at dscc.com. Or send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. You can follow us there to see bonus content from the show. Thanks to our guests and to our production team, Short Order Production House. If you liked this podcast, please leave us a rating or review wherever you listen. I'm your host, Kelly Basil. We'll see you soon. Thank <laughs> you.